Well, good morning, girls and boys. Good morning. Good to see you. Returning to Jonah. Getting very close to the end. Coming in these last verses in chapter 4 to really an explanation of why it was Jonah acted as he did and the foolishness of his actions. And there are lessons there for us May the Lord teach us. I think the first thing we should do is just read from the verse 4 down to the end. Follow closely because there's things happening here that perhaps we might not fully understand at first glance. But I hope that as we look at them more closely, we'll learn just what it is the Lord was teaching his servant. Verse 4, Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city. You notice he didn't answer the Lord. He didn't answer the Lord. Sometimes when we're in the wrong frame of mind and someone challenges us about it, the question they ask brings home to us that we are wrong and we can't answer them. And pride stops us saying, yes, you're right, I am wrong in my attitude. Pride stops us acknowledging it. And there was undoubtedly a bit of stubborn pride at work in poor old Jonah here. He doesn't answer the Lord. Instead, he goes out of the city, goes away from it. Look at what it says then. Verse 5, So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth. That is, a little shelter. Gathered some branches together and propped them all up. Maybe tied them at the top, just to give them a little place of shelter from the heat of the sun. You've no idea how hot it is in the part of the world he was in. It's now called Iraq. But it's mad boiling hot compared to what we would know. He made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow. So, that's what it made. It made a shadow over him. Kept him a little cooler. Till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd. Let me explain. When we think of a gourd, we're thinking of something like a pumpkin. You know, big round hot thing. But I've read many commentators and they say really this couldn't have been a gourd as we know it that springs up. For it would only lie on the ground. Pumpkins don't grow upward and form a tree-like structure. But whatever this was, it grew up and provided shelter and shade for Jonah. So commentators take the Hebrew word and look at it closely and they conclude that it was a tree that grew up with big leaves on it. It's like a palm tree. It's like a palm tree. You've got to remember that learned and all as the men who translated the Bible were, many of them had never been out of England or Scotland and their knowledge of plants that grew in other parts of the world would have been very limited. So that could explain why they put in the word gourd, whereas that doesn't really describe what happened. And others have come along later and looked at this Hebrew word and they have suggested that it was a tree-like plant that grew up and grew up overnight wonderfully and gave Jonah shelter. Verse 6, And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. 
But now God's teaching this man a lesson. He's wanting to show him that he's wrong. And he doesn't take him by the scruff of the neck and whack him on the ear a few times. But rather, more gently, the Lord shows how wrong he is by the things that happen here. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. This is a little creature that began to eat the heart out of the tree that had grown up, and it withered away, withered away. Now, there are little creatures out there that attack the ash tree. The ash tree is very common in this country. But they're eating them and destroying them, and there's a bit of a concern. And actually, many men have been employed to go around, look for the ash trees that show signs of this withering, and put it down, so that the little creature that's at work doesn't spread to other ash trees. So this is what's happening. There's a worm. And it attacks the tree that God has caused to grow up to give shelter to Jonah. And it withered. Verse 8, And it came to pass, when the sun did rise, that God prepared a vehement east wind. Now this is the third thing God has prepared. And he's teaching Jonah. The tree, or gird, as it's called here. The little worm to attack the tree or the gird and make it to wither and now there's a strong east wind which would have been very hot and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die and said it is better for me to die than to live and God said now here comes the lesson here comes the lesson and God said to Jonah doest thou well to be angry for the gird you're angry that the tree was attacked by the worm and withered away and you lost your shelter. And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. He's still in that old stubborn frame of mind. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, on the tree that withered away, for the which thou hast not labored. It wasn't yours. You didn't plant it. And yet you're feeling sorry that it was attacked by the worm and made to die. Neither madest it grow which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? You think so much of the death of this gourd, that you are quite happy to see the death of hundreds of thousands of Ninevites? That's the lesson God is seeking to teach Jonah, let's go back over it now and let's learn a few things very quickly. Now, it is to be noticed that Jonah's anger and vexation at God sparing Nineveh continues unabated. The question that was posed by the Lord should have been enough to make Jonah realize that he was wrong. Art thou right to be angry at me? That's what God was basically saying. Are you right to be angry at me for sparing Nineveh? That should have halted him right away. Yes, I'm I'm angry at God. That can't be right. But the question put to Jonah, it didn't stop him being angry and having this attitude toward God and the mercy he showed to Nineveh. He remained stubbornly opposed to what God had done. Wanted the city to be destroyed rather than spared. Let's notice first of all in the portion that we read in the verse 5. 
So Jonah went out of the city. He leaves the city. Now, the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus instructed his disciples that when they went out and came to a city and preached the gospel, if the city refused to hear the message, then they were to go out, shake the dust of the city from their clothes, and leave it. But if the city heeded what was said, obeyed the gospel, they weren't to do that, but rather they were to mingle with the people and help the people and rejoice with the people. That's stated for us, by the way, in Matthew chapter 10 and the verse 14. So what Jonah did was entirely the opposite to what was the mind of the Lord. He should have gone into the city again. He had gone through it preaching God's warning and they had listened. So now he should have gone through it again rejoicing that the people listened. And he should have said, can I help you? Can I teach you more? Can I show you now the way forward? Now that you've sought the Lord. Now that you've professed faith in him. Let me help you to grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. But he didn't. He turned his back on the city and he left it. We read in Acts chapter 8 what might be called a very similar situation. Because in chapter 8, there's persecution against the people of God in Jerusalem. And many of God's servants are forced out of the city. Forced to to run away and hide. And flee away from the persecution. And we read of Philip in Acts 8 verse 5, coming to the city of Samaria. Now Samaria, in many ways, was like Nineveh. The Jews never went near Samaria because it was a almost a heathen place. In fact, going way back in Jewish history, it's a territory that the Assyrians, when they conquered that part of Israel, they brought in people from far, far away. Gentiles, unbelievers, heathens, idolaters. They brought them in and made them live in Samaria so that there grew up a population in Samaria that knew nothing of the Lord, really. The woman of Samaria, do you remember the Lord met her? John chapter 4. Remember the Lord went in and the disciples came and saw him talking to her and they said, what's he talking to that woman for? Because she was a Samaritan. But here in Acts chapter 8, Philip the evangelist has come to Samaria, preaches the gospel, and there's a wonderful conversion. It says, verse 6, the people with one accord give heed unto these things. There was unity. They all listened and heeded, just like Nineveh. And we read that there was great joy in the city, verse 8. And then if you go down to verse 14, we read, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Do you see the difference? Jonah has seen a great work of conversion, but he's mad and angry at it. And he turns it back on the city and the people who have been converted and he goes away. But here, there's the same sort of work that's been done. And the apostles send down two of their leading members to help the people now that they're converted. They send down Peter and John to guide the people, teach the people. So you can see, boys and girls, that old Jonah is not in a good frame of mind. He's still in a defiant spirit. And you can find that among God's servants. Foolishly, they follow their own notions. 
rather than the word of God. So he, he flees away. Now, notice where it says he went. I don't think I'm going to get all the study done today, but that doesn't matter. We can come back to it. It says, verse 5, back to Jonah, chapter 4, verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. I hope you can bring up in your mind a map of that part of the world. Here's the Mediterranean Sea. Here's that strip of territory we know as Israel. Then we begin to move over here, pass through Arabia, and we come to Iraq. And there's Nineveh. And if he goes east, he's going further away from Israel. He doesn't go west, which would have been homeward. But he goes to the east, he goes even further away from Israel. Why would he have done that? Well, I can only suggest to you something. You remember I have taught you that Jonah was angry at the conversion of Nineveh because it had political and military implications for the future of Israel. These were great enemies of Israel. And now that they were spared, well, they would be a threat in the future to Israel. So Jonah was angry at the Lord doing this. And he thought, the people in Israel will skin me alive for being the means of seeing Nineveh preserved. Better if they had been destroyed. That would have made the people in Israel happy. But they're spared. They're still here. Still a mighty force as far as Israel is concerned. And consequently, I'm going to be hated. I'm going to be considered a traitor. I can never go home. And I think that's why he went east. He went in the opposite direction from home. Feeling that there couldn't be a welcome there in Israel for him. But you know the truth of the matter is this, boys and girls. This shows you how wrong we can be. This shows how wrong Jonah was. Jonah was in misery. He was sitting out there. He had no real house or home or place of comfort. He had to build himself a wee shade with branches. But the truth is this. There were tens of thousands of homes in Nineveh that would have been glad to welcome Jonah in. Because he was the man who brought them the message of salvation. And now they were right with God and enjoying God's blessing. And they would have gladly brought him into their home. Given him shelter. Provided for his every need. Instead, in his rebellion, he's robbing himself of these comforts. And here he is sitting out in the desert under a few branches trying to get a little shelter from the sun. Do you remember in Acts chapter 16? That's a very important chapter. That's where the gospel comes to our part of the world. Well, not to Ireland, but to Europe. Paul crosses from Asia into Europe. And he's in Greece. And there he begins to preach. And the first place he preached was at a prayer meeting attended by women. And we read there was a convert. Her name was Lydia. And the first thing Lydia said to Paul when she got saved was, Please, come and stay in our house. I'd be more than happy to provide for you and your friends and give you shelter and comfort. That's how it would have been for Jonah if he wasn't in such a stubborn, rebellious frame of mind, this man of God. So he makes himself a booze. Instead of enjoying the comforts that those who would have been now his friends in Nineveh, since they had been converted by the grace of God, he makes himself a little booze. As I said, it was hot. And he was going to stay there for a little while and watch the city. 
a little booth made of branches formed into a little shelter. Just like if you were out on a very hot day and you were standing about having a bit of a yarn, you likely would move over into that corner where there is the big trees and you'd stand in the shade. Well, that's what Jonah's doing. He's seeking shade. And it says that he built himself a booth and sat under it, verse 5, till he might see what would become of the city. He was waiting to see what direction things would take in Nineveh. I think Jonah was sitting there hoping that the Ninevites would turn back again to their old sinful ways, that their repentance would be short-lived, and that they would go back and become heathens again, and then the judgment of God would fall on them. I think that's what Jonah was hoping. He wasn't hoping for the advance of the gospel, for the further glorifying of God in that place, but he was hoping things would go wrong. I've seen that in my life, boys and girls. I've seen people vexed with the success of the gospel because it came at the hands of one they didn't like. And they hoped that that person would not be successful in their gospel ministry, but rather they would feel that would please them. And that's what Jonah's doing here. He's hoping that the message of God will yet be rejected by the Ninevites, and that he will see happen what he wants to see happen. God destroying the Ninevites. That's what he's doing. He's sitting out there. He hasn't made a permanent home. He's just made a wee shelter, and he's going to sit there for a while and see what happens in the city, hoping that things would go wrong. What an awful spirit that is. Not looking for an advancing of God's word, Not looking for God to be glorified. Not looking for men to be blessed and women to be blessed and boys and girls to be blessed under God. But hoping the opposite. That was the awful frame of mind that poor Jonah was in. Well, let me come to the second part and maybe we'll get it finished. It says the Lord intervened and the Lord provided a shelter for Jonah. Now, what the Lord is doing, boys and girls, is seeking to teach Jonah a great lesson. And so we have this strange little series of events. Jonah's three branches formed into a bow. They wouldn't have lasted very long if he had cut down a few branches and made his shelter. Well, in the heat of the sun out there, those leaves would have withered in no time and you would have had virtually bare sticks and there would have been no shelter under that. So... It's a bit like all of men's remedies. Those who reject the gospel, you know, think that they can provide themselves a shelter that will cover them from the wrath of God. But the shelter they make is no better than the shelter Jonah made. It withered away and became less than useless. So the Lord then made a plant to grow up overnight. There are plants that can do that, you know. We don't have them in this country, but there are plants in the world that spring up and grow at a tremendous rate. So it wasn't that unusual, and certainly this was of the Lord, and he can cause anything to happen. And it grew up to provide Jonah with shade. And it says that the Lord, verse 6, the Lord prepared a gourd and made it to come up up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head. Grew up in the night time so that when the sun rose and began to get hot there was this new shelter that God had provided. You know, it speaks of the Lord Jesus. He's the shelter that God provides. Just as this plant that grew up 
overnight was a miraculous shelter, so the Lord Jesus is a miraculous shelter. It says of him, you know, in Isaiah chapter 53, you know that wonderful chapter in Isaiah, he was wounded for our transgressions. It's all about the Lord Jesus. Well, at the beginning of that chapter, we read that the Messiah, the Savior, shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. Isn't that picture for you what happened with Jonah? Out of the dry ground, there sprung up wonderfully, miraculously, this shelter. Well, that's what the Lord Jesus is likened unto. He's likened unto one who's called a tender plant. And under his leaves we find shelter and shade. He's the prepared one, prepared of God, that gives us shelter. I'll read very quickly to you what we have again in Isaiah. It's chapter 25, and it says there in the verse 4, For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, and the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. That's the Lord Jesus. And throughout the scriptures you'll find similar descriptions of him. The shelter. The shadow of a great rock. And that's where we should seek shelter from the wrath that is to come. Those who are in Christ are saved from wrath to come. There's wrath coming on this world, but if you're saved... It'll not reach you. No more than the rays, the burning rays of the sun could reach Jonah under this shelter that God provided. But God was teaching a lesson. Jonah was glad of the shelter. Look at what it says in the verse 6. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd, or the tree that grew up. That word exceeding is the same one as you find in the verse 1, where it says, for it displeased Jonah exceedingly. So in verse 1 he's exceedingly displeased. He's exceedingly unhappy with what had happened in Nineveh. He was angry with God. But here we find him pleased with what God had done. And it shows how the mood changes. He was happy that God had provided him with this shelter. He was glad of the bird and the shadow that it cast upon him and now God says because he caused the gourd to die as we read the worm came and it brought about the death of the plant and of course the shade was taken away from Jonah and he was smitten by the awful heat of the sun and he faints and he's in great misery and God says Jonah don't you see you were happy that I provided you with shelter Yet when I provided shelter for the Ninevites, you were very unhappy. You were very unhappy when the gourd or the tree that was given you shelter withered away and you were left without shelter. You were very unhappy with that. But you'd be happy if the Ninevites had no shelter from my judgment. Don't you see how wrong you are, Jonah? And so the Lord gently taught his servant the truth. Now, the book ends without us seeing any conclusion, as it were, or any response by Jonah. But maybe the next time I'm with you, I'll suggest to you why it is we can rest assured that Jonah returned home 
having learned his lesson, recognized the kindness of God to poor sinners. But boys and girls, do remember that. Do remember the attitude of Jonah that is found so often amongst Christians. There are people in the world that Christians would love to see killed, love to see destroyed. Here in Ulster, there have been Ninevites, as far as we're concerned. People who are a threat to us. You mightn't recognize it, but adults recognize the threat that, shall we say, Irish Republicanism is to us in Ulster. They war against us all the time. They have done it by terrorist means. They do it by political intrigues and connivings and twistings and deceit. And they're ever seeking to bring about our destruction. Now it's very easy for a Christian in that situation to wish God would destroy them. Now it's proper for us to wish that murderers be brought to justice. But we also should desire God to have mercy in the midst of wrath. The most wonderful thing that could happen in Ireland is for God to move with saving power and convert not only Protestants who aren't really Protestants, but convert poor, blind Roman Catholics. Because if they were converted, they'd change their views on everything. They'd change their political views. They wouldn't desire the destruction of that people who love the Bible. They'd be part of that people. That's the lesson of Jonah. May the Lord be pleased to teach us to have the right spirit in these dark and terrible times. We're bowing in prayer. Let us all pray. O God, I pray that Thou would write Thy word on the hearts of the boys and girls, that they might never forget what Thy word teaches. May they never forget the lesson of Jonah. And as we return for a final look at the study, maybe on this coming Thursday, Lord, seal it up in their hearts, I pray. Bless our school today and undertake for it. And the little one not here because of sickness. May your hand of mercy and goodness be upon them. Bless teachers, bless parents, bless the work and witness here, Lord. For Jesus' sake, amen, amen.